Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Jill. Have you ever wondered how you can take your admiration of people that you admire and turn it into something that you can use to improve your own life? That's what we'll talk about today. The only art I'll ever study is the stuff I can steal from. David Bowie. Today, we're going to talk about a book called Discover Your Genius, How to Think Like History's 10 Most Revolutionary Minds by Michael J. Gelb. He wrote a book I liked called How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci. And this is his follow-up. Talks about how to think like other great geniuses out there. And what I thought was interesting about the book wasn't as much his list of who the geniuses are. The thing that's amazing about this book is his pattern of how he comes to analyze great people and then take their genius and apply it to his own life. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the people he picked and how he went and analyzed those people. In the next podcast, we'll take a list of other people and try to do the same pattern that he does by taking their genius and turning it into something we can use. So the first step he talks about is keeping a genius notebook. So when you have someone that you really admire, someone that you think is a great mind, is someone that you should emulate, you have a notebook. And in that notebook, you start doing a few things. Is that first of all, record some of the thoughts and aspects of that person that you would really admire. Maybe some of their quotes, if they wrote poems, if they wrote songs, entering those in there. And keeping that as a basis to reflect upon the genius of the person that you admire. When we have this notebook, we'll be able to refer to it time and time again. I have one, but it's a OneNote notebook instead of a physical notebook because I prefer to do things in a digital way compared to paper. Then after that, once you've recorded what this person is famous for, what some of their thoughts and works are, then you can go into talking about what you really admire about them. Why is this person in your notebook? What about their specific actions and thoughts did you really admire? And write those observations down too. And what's great about having these notebooks, particularly in this day and age, is you can also take some of their drawings, their observations, maybe even directly their handwriting, instead of having to write it yourself. You can even have some of the letters the person wrote just to inspire you to help you think like they do. And it's not something he says that you have to write down at one time, that you can do this over time. Again, this is your philosophy notebook. So it should be a living document that keeps growing and expanding as your view of this person's genius grows and expands. The offshoot of those ideas also expands. When he talks about writing in this journal of a hundred questions that relate to the genius of the person. The first 20 are going to be the things that are right off the top of your head. And they're going to be probably some pretty standard things that Plato was a genius or that Elizabeth was a leader. Very common, well-known things. But he says the next 30 or 40 themes that you write in your notebook will start to be a little bit different, maybe a little off the cuff, maybe something that most people don't think about when they think about this person. And then he says at the very end, the second half of your list, you may discover something really profound, something really unexpected, he says, because it's hard to get to 100 things if you're going to write a list of 100 things. And he believes that that's really where the light comes in. That's where real insight into you and your view of this genius person will come together to make something really powerful. 
then in your notebook, he wants you to write, is there something that I can do fundamentally different? Could I do to make a difference? Using this type of genius, how can it help me as a new tool, as something that I can now apply to my life? Then he goes on to talk about what traits do you share? You know, are you someone who is a logical thinker like Plato? Are you someone who takes leadership on easily like Queen Elizabeth I? Those types of things will help you do that. For the traits that you don't have or that you don't share, how can you attain those traits? If that person has something that you don't have, and maybe that's exactly why you admire them, you think that this person was really great about imagining things out of the box and you're just not that person. Great. Now what can we do to strengthen that trait so that you can actually gain it? The ones that you do share, how can you strengthen those traits and make them better than they were before? Then he asks you to write in your notebook, what do those traits look like every day? It's one thing to say that Queen Elizabeth I was a courageous leader. It's even something else to gain that type of courage in your own life. The real question comes in, what does courage look like in your life? To her, it was about leading a nation in a time of great turmoil. But to you, you're probably not leading a nation. You'll probably never lead a nation. But the courage in your life is very important. And what type of image does it take? Does it take standing up for the things you believe in? Does it come into speaking when you feel like maybe I shouldn't speak because maybe my opinion doesn't matter? Does it come in the form of taking that next leap in your life that you're afraid to do by maybe going after the job you really want or moving to that town you really want? Courage looks different in every person's life. So by looking at that trait and looking how it applies to your everyday life, that'll help you know what your next steps are in action. He says that you should take a look at the genius, all these things, the traits, the accomplishments, the things that you share, the things that you don't share, and figure out how it fits into your dreams. If you have the dream of becoming a great artist, or if you have a dream of becoming a great author, whatever it is, how can you now take the traits of that person that you're keeping your notebook about and make them apply to not only your everyday life, which we just talked about, but your future life? How can you apply those traits to making your very dreams come true? He says, how does that character that you're analyzing apply to your love in life, apply to your work, apply to your everyday life, apply to the relationships you have with people? Anything that you can take from that person and step above what you're doing today. The other interesting thing is when he comes up with this idea of using these geniuses, he usually comes up with one or two things that's unique to this particular person to take on. So again, if this person is a philosopher like Plato, then you're going to, of course, write your own philosophies. What are your philosophies of life? What are the deeper truths and meaning in the world? Or if it's someone who's like Shakespeare, you would write down poems or you would write down witty sentences, whatever you can do in order to emulate Shakespeare. He gives us a quote from Machiavelli. When thinking about these geniuses, study the actions of illustrious men to see how they born themselves, examine the causes and the victories of defeat, so as to imitate the former and avoid the latter. Above all, do as illustrious men do. When you look at exemplary people 
and you take on their behaviors, their causes, their victories, and hopefully not their defeats, it is good for everybody. We live in a world of great information. When you look at most people's libraries today, you might not realize it, but your library is probably better than the richest people in the early 1900s. We can see what worked and what didn't work, what worked in history, what worked with individuals. So now, if we can take those knowledge pieces and turn them into something that we can grow from and advance that idea, if you own any device on the planet, there are free books available. There's all the information that's out on the internet. There are millions of videos that will teach you everything from how to replace your water faucet to how to build a shed in your backyard. Anything that you're looking to do is at your fingertips. The question is, is what are you doing with that genius today and how are you taking it to make it your own? That's what this book is really trying to get forward. The first person he picks is Plato. He talks about how Plato influences our world today when it comes to everything from philosophy to government to how to think about the world, not just in its practical terms, but also in its beauty. If you don't know, Plato was a pretty amazing guy. He taught Aristotle, and Aristotle taught Alexander the Great. And if you don't know, Alexander the Great wasn't just a military leader. He was a thinker, and he was someone who thought carefully not only about how to run his government, but how to go about the lives of other governments that were not his own, that he took over in the course of war. But he was influential and powerful, and he got his ideas from Plato. And when you look at Plato, you'll find that his ideas are timeless. They're really something that can apply to us today. And not just thinking about it in terms of personal growth, but also thinking about how we can make a better world. And even if you care about things like education and justice and goodness in the world, Plato is in that area of thinking too. So when you look at some of Plato's achievements, and in the book, he captures the greatest summary of achievements for each person that he covers. Believe it or not, he introduced the idea of definition. It's weird to think of things that are so fundamental, like having a definition. He also took on the ideas of education by developing primary and secondary education and formulated the modern university structure that we have today. He thought about independent thought. He understood that education is about taking a student and allowing them to bring out their thoughts, their ideas, instead of just trying to stuff them full of knowledge and teach them our opinion of things. Instead, he wanted to teach them how to think so that they could form their own opinions about things. So in your Plato notebook, he says, you should take a list of 10 things. And they can be anything from observations to a thought you had, a dream you had, anything that really fills you with the wonder of the world. When you're doing this, try to look for anything that's wise and truthful in this world, something that's beautiful or something that inspires you, something that increases our civilization, our life in the world, anything that helps us fulfill, whether it be government or ourselves. He says that you should think about things that give you wonder and give you awe and lead you to questions about the philosophies of the world. He says in your notebook, you can also write down what philosophies you have. Now, they may fall in line with what Plato had, or maybe they're going to be different. But what are your philosophies and help start defining those? Then he says that you should look towards the goal 
of deepening your wisdom. Plato was a person who always tried to understand more, always tried to figure out how to do better. And so you can take that same type of attitude and think, how can I do better? How can I achieve my goals? What is the meaning of my life here on earth? What can I do best to fulfill the wishes of my creator? How can I best serve the philosophy I follow? When the author started his list of Plato and what questions are relevant to this kind of genius and how it applies to his own life, he said that the first ones were pretty standard about Plato when it came to this. But when he got to question 88 and 89, suddenly there was this very different turn that his thoughts took. His questions went from what else matters beside the practical in life to where's the light, the source of power and divinity, the source of inspiration from all. And he said when he was writing this, had this out-of-body experience that he was using a psychedelic drug because he has no idea where that question came from. But it came from this exercise of examining Plato's genius in his own life and writing down those hundred questions. He said that it felt like that this wasn't even really himself anymore, that these thoughts were passing through him. He was having this deep creative thought. He called it altered state of consciousness experience. And it makes some sense because that first couple of things are going to be very standard, very much what everyone thinks of Plato, for example. But by the time you get laid into the list and you have to start really thinking about why this person matters to you so much and what they really have to teach you, it suddenly gets very deep. And that's where he wants you to go all the way down to question 100 so that you can get to that really deep, less common area of genius. The next person he talks about is Queen Elizabeth I. She was Queen of England and she faced an amazing time. Her father, Henry VIII, probably didn't see her as becoming the queen because, first of all, women didn't really become queens at that point. They were queens, but they didn't lead. They married someone and their husbands would become the leader. Also, she was the second child behind a completely different kind of queen, Mary Tudor. What Queen Elizabeth had to do was grow up in the shadows. And so when she became queen, somewhat unexpectedly, she had to take on that power and become reliant on herself because most of the people in her life she couldn't trust. So she had to be able to sort through information, determine for herself what was the most important thing, and then act on it. But she was also tolerant of other people's viewpoints. She listened to great many scholars and different ideas when it came to how to lead or how to view certain crises that were happening. She was a great leader in the form of crisis when it came to war, but not only that, her own attempts of assassination, and she wasn't easily intimidated. So now what can you do to take on some of these ideas from Queen Elizabeth I? So again, we're going to write down a summary of her achievements. She's the person you'd want to admire. And in his book, he lists them all out. You're going to write down how it relates to you. You're going to write down why you admire that trait so much and why you admire her so much in very specific detail about what she did that you find relevant to your own life. You're going to write down what traits you share. You're going to write down what traits you don't share. You're going to list ways that you can cultivate that particular trait. So maybe in this case, it's courage or it's forming independent ideas. 
You're going to figure out ways to strengthen your own traits that you share with Queen Elizabeth I so that you can carry on the work that you've already been doing. You're going to list what those traits look like in your everyday life. Maybe you need to have more independent thinking or maybe you need to face crisis in a much stronger way. Then the next step is you're going to look at your dreams. What is it that you're looking for? And how will the aspects of Queen Elizabeth strengthen your attempt to get those dreams to come true? He suggests for your notebook about Queen Elizabeth that you can write down your own coat of arms. He says that you can take these symbols and images that mean something to you and put them into your own coat of arms so that you can inspire yourself and the people around you with that. And if you've never seen a coat of arms, you know, it's just a flag. Sometimes they had up to seven or eight icons on them. A lot of times they were lions or they were mythical creatures like griffins. Sometimes they were shields. But don't let what a coat of arms used to have on them limit how you might draw your own coat of arms now. If you think that you learn through the power of books, put a book on your coat of arms. If you dream someday of being in medicine and helping other people, put a symbol of medicine on your coat of arms. He says it's not much different than companies that create logos for themselves about what they try to inspire. Sometimes they have logos of trees because they like to be inspired by a particular product being very natural. If it's a solar power company, they use the power of the sun. He says try to use a few pages from your notebook and play with the images that inspire you. Don't limit yourself. Really come up with something that's really imaginative for you, something that's really going to matter to you. Next, he moves on to Shakespeare. And Shakespeare was an amazing writer, of course. And he also was amazing at listening to other people. When he wrote his plays and he wrote his sonnets, they're really a reflection of the people that existed in his time. He had such an impact because it really stirred the imagination of the people he lived with. So what can you do to really take his inspiration, the words he used, the way he wrote? He also was amazingly capable of taking complex issues, anything from racism to sexism to murder to political power and putting them into his plays. How can you take something that's happening in a complex way and reduce it into what you're looking for. And he says that once you get through that pattern of your notebook that we already talked about before, about the traits and the strengths and all those comparisons, now he says what you can do is do something that is more like Shakespeare. List your 50 favorite words. What words do you love to use when you're writing? What are some observances you have as if you were a playwright? And even if you're not a very good writer, but you admire that ability, what are some observations that you have of the world today that would make a fantastic play? Tell the world 400 years from now about life today. He says that you can also write a list of words that you want to learn that are new. This was a funny one. He said that Shakespeare was an amazing insulter. He had some of the best insults in the history of literature. To give you a few of them, here he said, he has not so much brain as earwax. Oh boy, this guy's so dumb, he doesn't even really have brain. He just has earwax in his head. Another insult was, you are as a candle. 
the better part burned out. (laughs) Your better days are behind you. The best part of you is already gone. So you can see that he took these fancy words and he wrote fantastic insults. So maybe if you really like Shakespeare and you admire him, you could write a list of 10 of your favorite insults. To go quickly through the rest of the list, but you can kind of see where he goes. He talks about Jefferson and how Jefferson was a person who analyzed everything carefully. So he was someone who tried to look in the future, look in the past, and see how we can make something better today. That's a good exercise to have when thinking about Thomas Jefferson. The book also mentions that when he was in Paris, he found himself enamored with a socialite named Maria Cosway. He really thought about having a deeper friendship with her. I don't know if that meant something more, but he couldn't decide what to do, probably because he was already married and already had a wife. But he worked through this conflict by formulating a fake dialogue in his head and then eventually on paper about what this debate is. So an exercise that you could do that is above and beyond your normal journal is have fake conversations with people that you are having a conflict with. So if you want to talk to your boss about something, have this conversation that maybe you write down about what you say and what they say and then what you say in response, how it would actually play out. And by doing this type of a gaming strategy, when it comes to these fake conversations, it may give you the path forward onto something that you're having a difficulty in your own life. He talks next about Gandhi and how Gandhi practiced forgiveness and empathized with others and also used fasting as a practice. Is that something that you could take on? If you're looking at your journal and you're looking at a unique strategy for how to be more like Gandhi, can you write down 10 people that you do not empathize with at all? And try to write down what their thoughts are, why they think the way they do in an empathetic way. How can you understand them better by empathizing with them? Then in the next step of Gandhi, how can you practice forgiveness? What can you do so that you can actually forgive people that you don't understand very well? Now you can see how this whole pattern comes together with people that you admire and really taking the essence of what made that person special. This book really talks about coming up with the list of the people that you really admire, developing those traits so that you can use their genius to apply to your life. Summary, pick 10 people that you really admire that mean something to you and have traits that help them succeed in areas that you want to succeed in. Two, Write down the summary of achievements and the traits they have that made them so amazing. Then compare the traits to the traits that you share with them. Then come up with a list of traits that you don't have that they have that you would like to attain. What do those traits look like every day? How do they fit in your love life, in your work life, in your daily life? Then figure out a strategy of how could you achieve those traits and then make them a part of your character. Three, find out how you can take these traits that you either have or you wish to cultivate and put them into your dreams. What are your plans? What would you love to do someday? How can you take the aspects of those characters and apply them in such a way that you can achieve your goals? Four, come up with unique ways to analyze the character, whether you're doing a drawing, a coat of shields, a logo for your life, 
or you're writing down the harshest insults you can think of in a creative, literary way. Challenge. Come up with a list of 10 people that you admire. Then get a journal, whether it's on paper or digital, and start your work on your own genius journal. And now for our fun entertainment advice, this quote comes from A League of Her Own with Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. It's great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. That's great advice. Anything worth doing is hard. And that's what makes it great. And that's what makes the geniuses great too. They did hard things. They defined terms. They changed the nature of literature. They changed the nature of the world. Hard things matter. All right, everyone. Thanks so much. I appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, please leave me a message at jill at smallstepspod.com. Have a great week.